Thank you so much, you guys. These guys were amazing. They weren't supposed to tell you about, yeah, you guys can step down. They weren't supposed to tell you about the no water, no power part because we, we want you to come. But um, there is suffering involved with, with the gospel sometimes. So uh, these guys just really knocked it out of the park. And so many of them stepped into something they hadn't done before, whether it was preaching or giving a testimony or leading a Bible study. We were, I was just really, really impressed with our whole team and grateful for each of them. So thank you for praying for us. We really felt it. Um, and we had just some, just some really beautiful moments. I had a pastor come to me after one of the outreaches. She wanted to talk. And she just could not tell me enough how thankful they were, how much it meant to them for our group just to be there doing an outreach with them. Because we, we weren't just in Santo Domingo, which is the capital. We were in some, as Phoebe was mentioning, some kind of more outskirt towns that are pretty far out of the capital that are not, there's, not a ho- there's like not a hotel in the town we went to. Let me put it that way. It's not a place people go, but it's a place the Lord wanted us to go. And as we went there, it meant so much. It, it, it made such a difference. So we thank you for praying. And that is a um, pretty good segue into some of the stuff I'd like to do today with part four of our series, Things Jesus Never Said. Um, before I jump into this, I do want to mention that one of the things we do with our School of Ministry and Missions, which starts a month from today, is we encourage, we equip and encourage people to step out into new experiences and do trips like this and get equipped for ministry. So enrollment is open for that. Very excited for it this fall. And um, we're a church that we want to reach our neighbors with Jesus' love, and we want to reach nations with the love of Jesus. That's who we are. So Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this family. Thank you for those that are here for the very first Sunday or maybe the first few Sundays. Thank you for those of us that are, have been here a while longer than that. I thank you for putting us all together in this place, in this moment. You have a purpose. You have a calling. You have something you're doing in our generation, and we are so excited, Father, to be a part of that. So we say thank you, and we acknowledge once again that your plans for us are good. And Lord, I pray today that our our hearts would be set ablaze and and encouraged, Lord, with your goodness and your plans and your purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So for... This series, you know, you might ask, why would a church talk about things Jesus never said? Well, sometimes it helps to look at what he didn't say so we can rediscover the power of what he did say. And sometimes we kind of have these fallacies in the back of our mind, little mini operating systems, little, you know, things that are, that are kind of there that need to be rooted out so that we can really be free to follow Jesus. So the statement Jesus didn't say for this morning is this, somebody else will go. Somebody else will do it. Don't worry. Somebody else will take care of that. Jesus never said that. Can you imagine Matthew 28, the Great Commission, if Jesus said this, all authority is given to me in heaven and in earth, but somebody else will go. You guys can chill. Just hang. I'm coming back. I'm going to see you again. And in the meantime, just... Live your life. Jesus, how many of you know Jesus never said that? Let's read what it actually says. Matthew 28. Matthew 28, 18. Then Jesus came close to them. Everyone say close. You know, I'm a, 
we're a presence church. We're a, we're a, we're a presence people. We want to be close to his presence. Jesus came close to them. And he said, all authority of the universe has been given to me. Now go in my authority and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to faithfully follow all that I have commanded you, and never forget that I am with you every day, even to the completion of this age. He said, go in my authority. Everybody say go. go. Come on, say it with a little more authority. Go. go. It starts with this decision to go, with this yes, with this move out of neutral and into gear. It starts with this decision, this yes, and the, the commitment here to go involves making disciples. Yeah, I've got some things here in the notes just sort of outlined in Matthew 28. There's the go, which is the yes. There's the making disciples, which really is to teach and coach and mentor and help others learn to walk with Jesus. That's the commission given to the church, given to the disciples, given to us. And he said this along those lines. He didn't just say go, and he didn't just say make disciples. He said this, never forget. Everyone say never forget. Never forget that I am with you every day. We're not alone in this. Always remember the promise of my presence is what he's saying. That by his spirit, he's with us right now, every day of our lives. Not just on Sundays when we're together. But on Mondays, did you realize you were made for Mondays? Like we're made for Sundays? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. For the together expression of the body of Christ. But man, you are made for Mondays. You are made to be out in the marketplace, out in this world, knowing that he is with you every step of your life, every step of your journey. So these verses are what we call the Great Commission. These verses are what we call, you know, the, this this, this grand vision that Jesus has given to his whole church to reach the world. And we know from looking at all the four Gospels and the book of Acts that the baptism of the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, being empowered by the Spirit, is a part of this commission as well. But when Jesus gave the disciples and us this commission, he didn't just, he didn't just give it to a few of them. It was a banner that was to fly over all of their lives. It was an inclusive, communal commission that they would all participate in. You know, Jesus never said somebody else will go later. Each generation, including ours, has the sacred responsibility to go in our generation. Not waiting for someone else to come, not waiting for the next revival, but realizing that our actions, our commitment to the Great Commission, our decision to go, our yes, may be the spark and the start of a revival in our generation. Our commitment to go is, you know, it's like there's something that happens when we step into that yes, it sparks something in us and in the world around us. There's something that you were made for, that you were born for, that isn't activated until you go and I go. But in that moment, all of a sudden, I discover, wow, there's something in my life that I didn't realize. It's called the power of the Holy Spirit. It's called gifts, callings, talents that God put in there for a specific reason. And when, you, when your life meets that reason, those gifts come alive. It's an amazing thing to see and experience. Each generation including ours, has that responsibility. I want you to know there isn't another plan. 
I was at a great seminar yesterday with Frank DiMazio, and he was talking about how God doesn't have a plan B. He just has a plan A, and you are the plan A. We are his plan. We are, the church is his plan. God's method is women and men. He's building his church out of people. He's building his church with people. There isn't a plan B. He's not going to send an angel to do it. He's not going to send other things to do it. He's called us to go. So, it reminds me of a, of a little um, parable somebody put together. I'll read it for you. I've, said, I've used this before, but it, it's really um, fitting for this context. Once upon a time, there were four people named everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. There was an important job to be done, and everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody didn't do it. It ended by everybody blaming somebody when actually nobody could accuse anybody. Now let me add my little piece. Praise God that there are somebodies who know who they are in Christ, redeemed by the blood, saved by His grace. They know that everybody could do it, but if they don't act, nobody will do it. And they're so grateful for what Jesus did for everybody, including them, that they are willing to serve anybody even the one in his name. That's who we're called to be. Now, let me take you to Matthew 28, 17. I'd like to read the verse right before the Great Commission. It's really insightful for us. It really has an effect, at least on, I believe if we really capture this moment, it's going to help us see that we really don't have any excuses or disqualifiers to set us apart. If we're believers and we're walking with Jesus, yes, there's growth areas and weakness, but I want you to see this because it's going to help us, I, I, I feel like, really get wind in our sails around this commission. It says this in uh, Matthew twenty-eight seventeen: the moment they saw Jesus, they worshiped him, but some still had lingering doubts. Everyone say lingering doubts. The word doubt, it means to waver. Go back and forth. They think twice about it. Now, their doubts may have been about Jesus. Their doubts may have been about themselves. How many of you know a lot of times our doubts are about ourselves, not just about the Lord? But this is the context. There's this community of disciples. They're all worshiping. And some, while they're worshiping, are having lingering doubts. You ever been here in worship like, all hail King Jesus? You're like, man, I... I'm still struggling with this other thing over here that happened this week. Ah, and you've got these lingering things, and you're warring through it. That was them. They're like, oh, hail King Jesus. They're having a war. I mean, Jesus is there. He's risen from the dead. You guys, he's there. How can you even have doubts? He's right there, risen, nail, scars, side, everything. He's there. He's risen, and they're like still struggling. Is that not the church? Is that not us? I want you to see something. In that context... With their lingering doubts, Jesus gave them the commission anyway. Because the next verse says, with their worship and their lingering doubts, all of that and all of that mix and all that swirl, in that moment, Jesus said, all authority is given to me. And because of that, I want you to go. 
And you're not going just in your authority. You're going in my authority. I love this moment. Jesus knew that his spirit and grace at work in them would empower them to move through their lingering doubts into victory. And when he looked at his worshiping disciples, knowing they had lingering doubts, he didn't say, hey, I'm looking around the room right now, and most of you guys are good to go. Uh, Most of you, I think, will do a pretty good job. You have potential at least. I'm giving you the green light. Um, You doubters, though, and those of you with other more significant issues, I'm giving you like a yellow light. You need to wait And there's those of you with really big issue, yeah, you Thomas, you Peter, you know who you are. I'm just going to say hang back for now. Somebody else will go. Who stood up on the day of Pentecost and preached? Peter. Who went all the way to India, died as a martyr for Christ? Thomas. These guys went. They sent. They fully sent. You know what I'm talking about? Full send? Okay. That's whatever. Okay. I'll come back around to that. Jesus didn't say any of that. He looked at them and said, all authority is given to me. Go, therefore. He looks at us as a community. He looks at you as an individual, as a believer, as a child of God, a daughter or a son, knowing about our issues, but he sees us in him victorious and free, and he says, all authority is given to me, therefore I want you to go because you are in me. And you can do it. Go, therefore. Everyone say, go, therefore. Tell somebody, go, therefore. It's about Jesus and not about me. I'm not talking about how you don't matter. I'm not saying we're not significant and we're not loved and all that. I'm saying exactly the opposite. We are. I'm saying it's because of who he is and what he has done that we're qualified. We're talking here about grace. We're talking about how knowing our issues, he's still given us a commission. Knowing our struggles in this generation, he's still given us the Holy Spirit and empowered us to do the work of the kingdom that he's called us to do in this generation. And he is fully confident that it is going to happen. And if Jesus is that confident in his church, I think you can start to have, and I can start to have, some holy confidence in our lives. Jesus, knowing that they had struggles, knowing they had growth areas, invited them into partnership anyway. And this commission is a partnership with the one who has all authority. It's going with him. It's his strength and his grace. The scripture is full of people who over and over again were called by God. And the moment they were called, they felt felt like they were face to face with their own inadequacy. You look at Gideon, for example, and um, not, to, not to necessarily make this the main text of the message, but just referring to this, if you have your Bible, to Judges chapter 6. In Judges 6, there's a really difficult time in Israel, and the, the story goes in, in verse 11 and 12 that the angel of the Lord comes and sits under this tree, which is in basically in Gideon's town, and he is hiding in a wine press to harvest wheat. You would never do that in a wine press because you need wind as you're throwing the wheat up in the air to take the chaff out of the way. But he's hiding, and he's doing it the hard way because he's afraid. And the angel comes and finds this man harvesting wheat in fear and in hiding and says to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And now we have, right away, God's perspective meeting Gideon's circumstances. God's like, you're a mighty man, and I've got big plans for you. And he's like, his response is like, basically, I'm the, 
I am the least of all of my family. My clan is the smallest in Manasseh. Manasseh is one of the lamest tribes in Israel. Why would you call me? This, I, I'm paraphrasing, but this is really what he says. He gives all, and then, and then he says, okay, God, well, um, you know, why is all this bad stuff happening and where are the miracles? And God basically says to him in verse 14, go, and you'll find out where all the miracles are. They're going to pop all around you when you go. So Gideon has this decision, right? He goes through all this, I'm the least stuff, and the Lord says, surely I'll be with you. I feel like this story repeats itself throughout Scripture, and that story repeats itself in our lives, and we, we're, we're, we're living with struggles and issues, and then we encounter God and discover that He has so much more and that there's grace to overcome. You see, with every encounter, we have a choice. This is in your notes now. With every encounter, we have a choice to either let circumstances define our lives or to let the God encounter, the life-giving Word of the Lord, define our lives. We have that choice in every moment. The disciples had that choice. Are they going to let that word go there for, define their lives, go in that authority? Or are they going to let all of their issues and doubts and weakness define their lives? They had that choice. We have that choice. And I want to encourage you today to let the word of the Lord, to let that God encounter reshape and redefine your life because that is who you actually are. You see, when God encounters you, he's relating to you according to what he made you to be before you even knew you existed, before anyone knew you existed. God had a plan for you. And when he encounters you, he's relating to you as he created you to be. And he's moving you in to that design he's always had for your life. You can trust his plan. You can trust his design. Boy, you can trust his word. Good things are going to happen as you choose to let his word define your life. Maybe you believed a lie of insignificance, a belief that your contribution won't matter or won't make an impact, or maybe you think you don't have what it takes. Maybe it's one of those kinds of things. We all struggle with those kinds of doubts. We all struggle with that kinds of wavering. They were worshiping and they were doubting, but Jesus still gave the commission. I'm here today to tell you that there's works in God that you were created to walk in that nobody else was even created to walk in and that there's grace from God to do it. I'm here to tell you today that he is confident of victory in your life. He's confident of victory in his church, and you can start to be confident as well. It says in Philippians 1.6, being confident. You're like, confident? That sounds like pride. It's not pride. It's, it's faith. Like, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you. Tell somebody in you. Somebody say in me. I'm going to be confident that the one that started it is going to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. I'm going to be confident in that. We're talking about holy confidence. It's time for a good dose of holy confidence, also known as Holy Spirit boldness. We need that confidence in our lives. A little bit of Holy Spirit swag, not pride, not in a weird way, but just like that attitude of like, I'm going to go for it. God is good enough. But what if I try and fail? What about that? Failure is a part of learning. I'm going to read this definition I looked up in worship now. Because I know what full send means, but I'm like, what do they say on the internet? Don't look in the Urban Dictionary about it. It has a lot of bad words. But I'm going to read another definition from the internet about full send. It's a word used especially in extreme sports. It's where you're doing it full throttle and with 100% commitment, even if you end up failing. 
fail is a possibility. And if you fail, fail all the way and get in a great fail video and enjoy it. That's what that's talking about. Okay? So, translating that to the kingdom of God. We're not going to put your fails on, on the church screen. But translating to the kingdom of God, failure is a part of learning. Every good baseball player, every good baseball player fails like 600% of the, 700% of the time when they're batting. They get a hit like one out of three times. That's a good day going one for three. You have to re- we have to realize that failing is a part of learning. It's part of learning to ride a bike. It's part of learning to walk. It's part of learning to, to go and, do, and serve in the Great Commission. We're going to have growth areas. And really, when it comes to the kingdom, the only failure is the failure to try. Every other fail just becomes a lesson, just becomes something you get to learn from. Now, I want to remind everybody today as well that there is a go in the gospel. That the first two letters of the word gospel, the first two letters of the word good news are go. There's a go in the gospel. And God wants that go to get stirred up in our hearts again today. That's what we're talking about. That's what I want to just bring to us today. And I'm not saying that we need to all go to the Dominican Republic. What I am saying is that the Great Commission is for everybody. And we need to see ourselves, not somebody else, as those that are in the Great Commission, those that are saying yes, those that are reaching others, those that are reaching our world, not just the pastors, not just the person you think is really spiritual, not just the guy, Joe Lostine on TV or Joyce Myers, but you yourself right where you are living your everyday life right here in Marin County, right here in Novato, right here at your job, right here at your school, knowing that you're carrying the King of Kings in your life. You're carrying a spirit of revival with you. You're carrying the life-changing power and love of Jesus in your life, and anything can happen. Go implies movement and it implies action. I was thinking about this because I love the emphasis in the Bible on being and identity. I'm thankful for that. That's where it all begins. But there's also an emphasis on doing. The Bible says, well done, good and faithful servant. You know what I mean? Like you did something. Well done. And I'm not saying that we're saved by our works. We know that's not true. But we are saved for good works. Let's just review Ephesians 2 real quick. Verse number 8. You are saved. Uh, for by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is a gift from God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus, everyone say it, for good works. What about these good works? God prepared them beforehand that we should walk in them. That we should go, that we should move into them, that we should, out of that obedience and that action of our lives, discover those things and walk in the good works. We're created to live with a purpose. And I'm here today to remind you of who you are in Christ and who Christ is in you, that you were created for an abundant life, that you were created to thrive, that you were created for good works that were specialized, customized, and prepared for you specifically beforehand to be lived out in a community of other believers, making a difference together in their generation. Maybe you forgot how much the Father loves you, how much He's for you, how much He delights in you. Maybe you forgot how nothing, even your fails, nothing, even your, even your past, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Maybe you forgot about that. I'm here to remind you. I want to stir you up by way of remembrance. You are amazing. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You have what it takes to make a difference. You matter. Your ministry matters. Yes, you have a ministry, and it matters. Your life 
is designed to make a difference. Maybe something has sidelined you. And I, I just, I'm here to tell you today that it's time just to get back in the game. To, to hear the words of Jesus saying, go therefore. Go therefore, why? Because of me, no, all authority is given to him. Go therefore. Ah, okay. That makes me feel a little more free. It's about Jesus and my obedience to Jesus. It's not about me and what I can make happen. So what does it mean to go? Let's look at a few things real quick here. A few uh, just thoughts about what it means to go. Point number one, it means, as I mentioned before, it means giving God your yes. Psalm 110 verse 3 says, your people shall be willing in the day of your power. You see, if your yes is withheld from God for the fear of failure, you're never going to experience the abundance you were created for. Like I said, there are things you were born to do, things that come alive inside of you when you say yes and step out of neutral and into gear. It's amazing. And I don't want to see anybody, myself or anybody around me or anybody in this church, even if this is your first Sunday with us, I'm just including you as a part of this church. Your church shopping, I'm, I'm including you. Anyway. You're like, oh, I'm checking out new life. I'm just wrapping you into all of this today. You were made for a purpose. And I want you to know that there's, there's so much meaning in our lives that I feel like we're in a generation where people are kind of floundering with purpose. Like, you were, you were made with purpose. And we need to live in a way that's connected with that purpose, the purpose of God for each one of us. I don't want to see myself or anybody I know or any believer in any church, not just ours, living disconnected from that purpose. I want us living in that purpose. Can you say amen? That's a value we need to have for each other. That's why we encourage each other. We, we, you know, true encouragement, I talked about how God relates to people according to who they really are. True encouragement is when I choose to relate to you according to who you really are, and not according to your weakness, mistakes, or failures. Where you relate to me according to who I really am. It calls out that good, it activates that part of me, and I'm like, whoa, I'm all of a sudden encouraged. What, what am I? I've just stepped back into who I am. That's encouragement. That's what we're talking about today. That's what we need in our lives. And that's what, we, what happens when we're in the Word, when we're in life groups, when we encourage each other. All right. Psalm 110 says, and verse 3, your people shall be willing in the day of your power. So that's that willing heart we're talking about. Isaiah 6, 8 says, also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here I am send me. There's a, more to this story, but the point of this is that Isaiah had a throne room experience, and when he got close to the heart of God, he heard a question among the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, who will go? That was the question being asked in heaven, and he happened to be there in that moment hearing this question from the throne of God. And in that moment of being touched by God and having the coal touch his life and cleanse and all of those things, in that moment of hearing the voice, he said, here am I, send me. And I believe today that's like there's a, there's a re-up with that phrase. Say it with me. Here am I, send me. Let's hear it. Here am I, send me. God's calling us to re-up, to make that a, a, the phrase of our life, the standard of our life, the prayer of our life. Here I am, Lord. And I want you to just, all of us to just hear his voice. You know, here I am means this. It means that's, that's another way of just saying yes. It means I'm available. It means I'm ready. It means I, I'm actively looking for the opportunities 
that you are sending my way or sending me into. I'm looking for the moments. I'm listening for your guidance. I'm tuning in. I'm leaning in. I'm, here am I. Here am I. I believe that if we'll, that if we'll um, pray a here am I prayer every day of our lives, that we'll see that we'll see kingdom opportunities that we wouldn't have seen before just because we said that prayer. Number two, what what does going mean? It means to carry his heart. It means giving God my yes, number one, and number two, it means to have his heart. Having his heart means keeping my love on in my everyday life, keeping, carrying God's love for those around me in my home, neighborhood, workplace, my routine, to pray for them, to love them, with God's love. Having God's heart means a willingness to go for the one, not just the many. To serve the one, to love the one, to stop for the one. Sometimes we're looking at the Great Commission and we're we're thinking of something we've seen on TV or read in a book and like the Great Commission is the one. It's the one. It's the thing right in front of you. It's the person right in front of you. It's a big world. Where do I start? With the one. With your neighbor. That's the goal. Seek and save the one. The Holy Spirit has a way of leading you and me to the one. He has a way of clarifying what the one means for that day. Our job is just to go. To say yes. To be available. To carry love. To get out of neutral. To start moving. Something happens when we go. And number three, we're talking about what it means to go. So it means giving God your yes. It means carrying his heart. And number three, it means renouncing the somebody else syndrome. The somebody else is going to do it. Somebody else is going to go. Uh, it's, it's a real thing. It's like a real syndrome. It's a real mindset. It's a real thing. We've got to just like, I'm renouncing that. Get me out of that. Get that thinking out of my head. Jesus, annoy my head. Get it out of my mind. Somebody else. Like, what do you mean, Pastor Caleb? Well, you know, it's a big church. Somebody else will do it. Somebody else will go. I just need to be fed. Just here to be fed. I need to be fed. And let me tell you, you do, you do need to be fed. I need to be fed too. We all need to eat naturally and spiritually. But you all know what happens when you just eat and don't do. Like, you need rest in your life too. But what happens when you just sleep? more beyond what you need. It's not good. I want to tell you another need you have in your life. You have a need to serve. It's what you were made for. You were made for mission. You were saved to serve. You were created to contribute. You were designed to make a difference. We can go on and on with every letter of the alphabet, but it's, all of it is true. You were made with a mission. You were made to serve. And there's opportunity to serve in our everyday lives. You're made for Mondays, you're made for Sundays. I think about Sunday ministry, partnering with the Holy Spirit to create a life-changing experience. There's some amazing opportunities to serve at this church. One of the things I wanted to highlight today is special needs ministry. I'm so excited about this ministry that's going to be starting. That's already started, actually, in its pilot form. We have a drop-down on the, the menu of our ministries website. Man, an incredible chance to make an environment that's amazing for these kids with special needs so they can encounter God, they can enjoy worship, they can have a great time at church, they can grow in their faith. And I'm just so excited about this new ministry, uh, serving these beautiful and amazing kids and their families where they can receive and grow. We're looking for, for people that are like, hey, that's on my heart. Like, you might say to yourself, but I'm not trained for that. You'll get training. Do you know how to love? 
Is it on your heart to do something? Great. That's really actually pretty much what we need from you. And um, with kids ministry, we always also do like a background check. But other than that, my question is, do you have a heart for it? Because what matters is having a heart for it. Just a little kick. Slide that in. How about leading a life group? Ask somebody else to lead a life group. There's amazing people at the church. I've seen them in the prayer meetings and the worship team. And let me tell you something. If you've been at New Life Church for more than a year and you're a, you're a solid believer, like, you, you're, you're, you've been, like you, you're following Jesus with your life, you should consider leading or assisting in a life group if you've been at this church for more than a year. Like, I see all the things out on the rack already, Pastor Caleb. There's like 20-something out there. Let me tell you, my dream is to have, and this is, it's, it's a dream, but it's not like a pipe dream. It's a, it's a real God dream. We need to have 100 life groups in this church. Everybody that's been in this church for more than a year and you're walking with the Lord, you should consider being a life group leader. Wow, really? I'm not trained for that. We'll train you for that. You can be an apprentice in another group. You can start with helping, assisting. Like, we have all kinds of groups, Bible studies, new believers, guys, gals, couples, co-ed, all of it. There's, so, there's just too many people to reach in our community. Start to see yourself as the one who goes. You are the somebody. Stop saying somebody else. Get that somebody else syndrome. Break free of that. Stop saying somebody else and start saying, I am the somebody. And there's just so many other wonderful ministries to serve in from children's to, you know, just on and on. Youth ministries, jail outreaches, home visits. You can be one of our pastoral team on call, going on a mission trip. Man, it just goes on and on. There's so many places to serve, but don't think in terms of somebody else. Let me give you another area that this, there's a lot of areas this somebody else syndrome applies. Let me give you a good one here. Somebody else will give. Somebody else will give. What difference will my giving make? I'm not rich. I'm not wealthy. First of all, let me just say, we give as an act of worship and as a part of a kingdom lifestyle. But I want to also tell you, your giving makes a difference. It makes a difference in, the, in your own life. It opens the door to even greater blessing. You know, some people think that our church is uh, funded by some outside organization or denomination. I want to tell you, it isn't. No, no outside funding comes into this church. All our provision comes from giving. Well, don't you have schools that bring in income? No. <laughs> they bring in income to run the school. Doesn't bring any income to run the church. Really? Really. Come to our business meeting. You'll find all these fun things out. <laughs> it's only each of our giving and tithing that funds ministry and ministry operations. And let me tell you, it makes a difference. And I believe we can do better, even way better, to see greater participation and greater impact in ministry as a result. Because our, our vision is not to maintain status quo. Our vision is to reach more people. Our vision is to grow. That takes staffing. That takes resources. But we need to set aside the somebody else syndrome when it comes to giving and realize that my giving, your giving, it makes a difference. Start to dream of what can happen if we all fully participate in tithing and in giving. Think of the church plants. Think of the impact. Think of the missions. Think of what we can do together in our generation. That's what we need to start to have a mindset around. Lay aside that somebody else. You know, there was a story when JFK visited NASA and saw a janitor mopping up the floor. JFK asked him what his job was at NASA, and the gentleman said, I'm helping send a man to the moon. (laughs) 
Somebody asks you what you're doing when you're serving in kids ministry once a month or leading a life group, like your answer can and should be, I'm reaching my generation for Christ. I'm giving myself to revival. What are you doing in special needs ministry? Oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm a part of a revival in my generation. I'm seeing, I'm seeing a move of God happen among the next generation. That's what I'm doing. I'm sending a man to the moon. <laughs> we could go on and on with this. Finally, I'll just, as the, uh, the team comes up and we have a, a time of response here, somebody else will share. You know, what I mean by that is somebody else is going to share his love outside the walls. And I want to remind you that you were made with a message and that you are a message and that there is an incredible gift in your life of salvation of what the Lord has done. It reminds me of this amazing moment in Acts chapter 8 when a lot of the ministry had been Jerusalem-centric until persecution arose and the believers were scattered. And it says in Acts chapter 8, verse 4, forced to leave home base, the Christians all became missionaries. Now, they were missionaries not in a foreign country. They were missionaries right where they lived. But something happened when they left home base. Wherever they were scattered, they preached the message about Jesus. And I love that verse because it reminds us that every one of us gets to go. Every one of us has been called to go. And I want you to see yourself, stand up with me if you would this morning. I want you to see yourself this morning as a person that says yes to the call of God. I want you to see yourself as a person who is making a difference. I want you to see yourself as a part of sending a man to the moon, spiritually speaking, in our generation. Of building something amazing in our generation. Isaiah heard the Lord say, who will go for us? Who will I send? I don't think Isaiah even thought that he was in the conversation. I think it was like he overheard it, but he was gripped by it. And when he heard it, he said, he. I know there's all these angels all over the place in here. There's wings and there's eyes and all kinds of stuff going on. But Lord, I, I'll go. <laughs> send me. Send me. They were all worshiping. Some had lingering doubts. What do you think today about just taking our lingering doubts about who we are and what we're able to do and just giving those to Jesus as worship? Saying, Lord, I'm going to give you my life, including my doubts. And I'm going to give you my yes along with it. Pray with me this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this beautiful people here in this room. I thank you. Lord, for the amazing gifting, the amazing stories. Lord, I feel like we all at different times, I know we all at different times have this moment where your perspective meets our circumstance. And I feel like there's some in the crux of that in this room today. And I just pray this morning, Lord, right now in this place, Lord, that each and every one would be encouraged just to embrace the definition to embrace what comes out of the encounter, what you're speaking today. 